Lana and Bobby Lashley storyline sucks. Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show where we go over the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news from the last week. Uh, wonderful episode ahead of us, guys. Bunch of stuff to break down. We're going to be talking about the AEW pay-per-view known as Full Gear. That was uh, in our back mirror uh, now. And then also the stuff from last night and some stuff uh, involving um, some guy named Phil Brooks. I'm not sure who that is. But, of course, Joining me tonight is my wonderful partner in crime, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Just cracked open a beer. I'm off work tomorrow, so looking forward to a lazy day of doing dick all. Probably going to play some NHL 20, maybe some of that WWE game. Uh, we'll see, man. We'll see where the yeah. world takes me, I guess. How about you, Dane? How you been, man? I've been good. I've actually – I still refuse to buy uh, 2K20 because 19 – you know, I had a match last night with Bobo Brazil, Bruno uh, San Martino, Luthez, Harley Race, and Nick Bockwinkle, and all of them looked exactly like them. And uh, I'm not going to deal with my fucking head just chopping off and walking separately from my body and stuff. So <laughs> that's how I feel about what you guys are doing with stuff, 2K Sports. You don't understand things anymore. You lost your ukes. Anyways, um, but yeah, but that's how I, that, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> Anyways, so if you guys are new uh, to the show, I thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance is every Thursday at 7 p.m. and every Saturday at 12 uh, noon. Um, basically, oh, well, EST, so Eastern Standard Time. Uh, but basically, we go over all the wrestling stuff and check out the website Geek Vibes Nation. That's the uh, the big company, Geek Vibes Nation. Dot com and you'll find news for everything as far as wrestling, comic books, comic book movies, movies, everything. If it's geeky, we cover it. And also links to our Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram at Geek Vibes Nation. And also we are on all your big sound platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, so if you guys don't get a chance to hear us live, you can go back and listen to it with any of those options. All the major ones, even ones that I probably didn't name. Anyways, uh, Chris, let's let's start talking about uh, the CM Punk stuff. Um, let's uh, let's let's go back to uh, Tuesday night from a show that previously had forty nine thousand viewers. Uh, that's less than most wrestling podcasts. Uh, with the FS1 show WWE backstage uh, with Booker T and Renee Young, Samoa Joe, Paige, uh, and Ryan Satin uh, is all their analysts. Um, the announcement at the end of the show that only Renee Young knew was that we'll be joining them kind of for his, it seems like his own segment, but it won't be weekly, uh, is Phil Brooks, CM Punk. And 
They had the little ring, and even though it was extremely lackluster to have CM Punk involved in some way with WWE, even though this is uh, something through Fox. He has no contract with WWE. Obviously, if he talks a lot of crap, WWE will probably be like, hey, Fox, not making us look good. But other than that, he doesn't work for WWE, so I should just get that up front. But either way, a little bit lackluster. Uh, his entrance, uh, coming out to cult personality, he comes in the ring, uh, quotes the Roddy Roddy Piper line of just when, uh, just when, oh, man, just when they ask the questions, I change the culture. He changes it a little bit at the end because uh, of culture personality, you know, that whole entire time, I guess. Either way, like I said, the concept itself, we all knew could happen. It was definitely a possibility, but people freaked out. And I don't think, I don't know what the numbers were this week since they didn't announce them coming on ahead of time, but I think they're going to have more than 49,000 next week, so probably good up on Fox for doing this. Uh, but Punk, you know, having some type of yeah, involvement with WWE has caused a lot of speculations. But before we get to that and we start going down that rabbit hole, what do you think about this? And what do you think about the lighting in his face that wasn't there when he tried to quote the uh, Piper thing? I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that, as far as him coming back, I have no problem with it. I mean, he we kind of we reported on this previously as well as the Observer and a bunch of other people that his agent had reached out to Fox. He had done an audition. And he didn't get signed by WWE for the show. Sounds like Fox signed him, and they're just going to work him into the show as needed or as they feel needed. Um, as far as the segment itself, there was like a weird lighting thing. It was like you're standing in the darkness, like you're a uh, you know you're at a fucking tool show watching Maynard sing or something. Uh, <laughs> just over in a corner. Um, that or at least that's how it looked on the set. What I will say is, uh, they did get the rate. The ratings for that is out. Uh, they doubled their number. But you can't really put any credit on CM Punk for that because no one knew he was going to be there. He just kind of showed up at the very, very tail end of the show. Um, but that's good for that show and, and Renee Young specifically because I would. It seems like every one of her projects that are like this get like some kind of uh, get kind of shit canned after a while. So hopefully this thing sticks around. I think Punk will help them out there. Um, I, I, you know, the biggest takeaway and, and as you said, he is signed to Fox. He's not required to do anything for WWE. So if Fox wants to put him at like a Chicago Cubs baseball game and have him do some kind of color commentary, technically they could do that. <laughs> like anything on Fox sports related, I'm assuming, depending on how his contract is, if he's under a contract with Fox Network, they can put him into other shows and other things. Uh, like for instance, if they want to have him do some kind of guest spot for a Chicago Blackhawks game which is his favorite hockey team they could totally have him do that uh so i, I would just keep that in mind obviously he's going to do this show and it's to help the ratings for this show but uh the, the big the big carry the takeaway as soon as people saw him show up i saw a bunch of people just immediately think that hey he's back in wwe which is not the case if he was if he was truly back in wwe um i think they would have saved him coming back you know, for Survivor Series and not had him just not just blow the load on WWE backstage, so to speak. Absolutely, and I completely agree with you about that. Um, I think that people need to realize uh, the reality uh, in this is that maybe this means it, all right. It's it's that one more step closer towards 
that direction. This is probably, I would say, the, the, the most likely out of any scenario before in the past, and there's been a lot of negative scenarios building up to this, um, but this is probably something that more possible than ever, I would say, for an in-ring return, and I can't believe I'm saying on a, in a WWE-styled ring in some capacity or, or some type of return than before. But he's not working for WWE. He's working for Fox. I'm sure he has an exclusive contract with this, and like Chris said, Fox might try to use him as some, some way to you know cater towards other sports-related things. Um, but since we are doing a, a, a wrestling, um, podcast, we should probably cater towards the speculation itself and kind of go into that. Uh, there was a lot of positive reactions, including a, a, a call out from Mr. Seth Rollins at CM Punk, which I find funny that people are so sour on, uh, Rollins now because of his attitude that, I think I think a year ago, if this scenario would have happened, people would have been like, that would be awesome. But now it's like, oh, no, man. I'd rather Punk go against a million other people. And trust me, <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel you on that. But just I'm saying, in, in principle, if we said this a year ago, it wouldn't be the same reaction. That's how much you fall just from opening your mouth. Hey, will Osprey and Kenny Omega maybe learn from Seth? Anyways, um, but yeah, so – the concept is there, Chris. I think that when it comes to what we've seen with Punk, and even if Hunter does not like Punk, Vince is still ahead of this, and both of them are businessmen, uh, if we were to go to the possibility that maybe this opens a door for some possible return, what would you think would happen uh, with wrestling, maybe commentary? What do you think could possibly happen in the future with Phil Brooks involved with WWE in one way or another? Well, I mean, I, I think the standout would be he would be on these Saudi shows. If he's going to come back, that's going to be the biggest payoff besides something at Mania. I mean, he turned down a match with Triple H at Mania prior to leaving, saying that that match doesn't mean anything to him. So the, the Triple H was basically nothing to him and then went on and berated him. Uh, so Triple H having some hard feelings, especially knowing the ego that is Triple H as a wrestler, if you've watched, you know, 99 to two. Uh, 99 to 2002 WWE uh, kind of <laughs> Triple H burying everyone and never losing a match. I don't know um, what you're talking about. <laughs> the king of shovel style. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I just actually decide. had a hammer, I, a sledgehammer. Just, just wanted to point that out. <laughs> okay. Okay, Triple H. Um, yeah, I mean, I assume that they would do something for the Saudi shows. It's just like, who are you going to put him against? And WWE is going to want whoever they have at the top to go over on CM Punk, and does he want to do that job? And also, how much money are they going to charge him for? I mean, it's been, what, that that promo came out in 2015 or 2014 at this point. So Punk hasn't wrestled in four years and has done probably more to his body than he would have wrestling by training for UFC and doing these UFC fights. Not saying he doesn't have anything left in the tank, and obviously they could do something interesting with him. I'm just, I've just moved past this CM Punk thing because it seems like I've been talking about it for like three years at this point of whether he's going to come back or not come back. And to me, like coming back to – if you're going to do anything in WWE, if you're trying to go head-to-head with NXT, I would bring him into NXT. 
and do something special there with like a takeover or something like the WrestleMania weekend takeover, give him the payday for that, put him on that. Um, maybe have some stuff building up to it. Like if, I, if you're talking about how to, I would use punk. That's probably what I would do just because I think that, you know, if you're trying to gear NXT to beat AW on a weekly basis, that's where you go. Now, if you're just trying to appease like Fox and get higher ratings on uh SmackDown, then you would obviously gear towards the Saudi shows and WrestleMania. I don't see him working a full-time schedule ever, but I could definitely, you know, never say never. I've always said that, like, when we've talked about this previously, it always seemed like we came back to the conclusion that if he does come back, it would probably be like a one-off in WWE for a really high amount of money. But, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I don't understand why Punk would necessarily want to wrestle depending on what that Fox contract looks like. If he can just sit around and bitch about WWE, uh, I wonder just how much they're going to let him do that and how real this show is actually going to be because uh, their latest attempts at giving me realism with podcast and wrestling, uh, if you the Corey Graves show, for instance, uh, haven't really done anything for me. Uh, the backstage show itself has uh, been kind of lackluster at best. Uh, the fact that they haven't really addressed any of the Saudi stuff is uh, – inexcusable uh they don't really talk about their the injuries as well as they should have like i don't know that, that show is just weird um hopefully punk can shake things up a little bit i want to hear his banter back and forth with joe uh and maybe that's your match maybe you could build a match out of backstage or something but i don't know i i, I honestly still don't see cm punk wrestling but if you're going to do it i'm assuming it would be at saudi arabia or at wrestlemania and do the one-off taker gimmick that that would be my guess. It's a lot to analyze, uh, so th- I'm just warning that this is probably going to be a long answer, a long-winded answer. But for me, with the with with um, a lot of people, you know, concerned about his age or be able to jump back in the ring, I agree with a lot of those aspects. Um, but he also, as much as it's bad of the damage he put himself through for those fights, he's still been staying in shape and, you know, doing some sort of form of combat related thing. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that that's, there's a lot, there's a multitude of wrestlers that aren't even good in the ring anyways that are wrestling. And Punk wasn't someone like a Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels who did come back or fucking Rick just wrestled all the way until his, he was 60, it seems like. But taking a break like Shawn did, obviously CM Punk doesn't have the finesse or the in-ring st- abilities that Shawn does. He still knows how to tell a story. I am intrigued by this. I miss most of Punk. I got the end of him. Uh, the the whole entire pipe bomb concept was one of the first things I saw in a long time, you know, when I didn't watch wrestling. And then slowly the end of him and then Sting coming to WWE is what brought me back uh, in, in a small sense, uh, you know, compared to now where I'm watching way too much fucking wrestling every week. It's unhealthy. Um, but with Punk... I think that he would help out WWE immensely. I think that Vince knows that, that he has a very – there's a reason we're going to see a huge spike in rings next week. I know it. I don't know how big they are, but they're not going to be what they were this week, and they're definitely not going to be 49,000, I can tell you that. So I would, I, would, I would speculate much higher. He's a name. He's a draw. He's not on, like I would say, your, your John Cena level, but <laughs> there's not many that are. But he's one of those guys like a Daniel Bryan – that's still very relevant, even especially with CM Punk, two non-wrestling fans 
It might be because he got his ass kicked in the UFC, but a lot of people know who CM Punk is. So it intrigues me. If this could be some type of last run, or at least that's what Punk perceives it as, if WWE were to be trying to see what's going on. And apparently, I think it was Brian Alvarez is the one who broke that. He turned down a major um, money offer to, from Tony Khan that they had a meeting together. So the proposition has been in place uh, not too long ago where he turned it down from AEW. Now, that, that might mean that he doesn't want to wrestle again, period. He wants to do his Fox thing, like you said, Chris, which is a high possibility. But maybe maybe there has been talks. Maybe Vince is a very smart man. For all the things that he fucks up, business and understanding business is one thing. And Hunter will follow Vince when it comes to stuff like this. If they think that he's good enough to invest into, either Fox is going to try to present him for SmackDown, and we're going to go down that route, or – your, you know, what you said, Chris, which is what I agree with, I don't think they would do this. You put CM Punk on NXT, and you have Finn Balor, and you give him like a couple others, along with the people they have, and allow that show really to flourish, even if Punk's not eating it for a long time, you know, maybe up until Mania, and that's it. That would still help them out tremendously. Whatever happens, the main thing I would like to see him do in WWE, if I were to be completely honest with everyone, if we want to do a small run, you know, and he doesn't want to go past, like, Mania, get him. If there's a Saudi show, that's fine. You know, limited stuff. Build him up for certain things. Help out on NXT, I would say, mainly. Uh, maybe have a position in the Rumble or something. Mania happens. He has a match. That's it. I'd love to see him on commentary. I think he would provide really good commentary. Exp- oh. The only problem is I, I would see, obviously, is, is, is Vince being in his ear, but I don't feel like Phil would even fucking listen to him. And that's the last thing I kind of want to bring into it. CM Punk being involved with WWE, if there has been absolutely no talks, but, you know, WWE did promote this. They put this on their Facebook, like, hey, this is a big deal. Uh, so some level of that, there's communication, obviously. Vince is not stupid. He knows that Punk was going to end up on the show. Um, you know, if, if he fucking just flat out talk shit about Raw and SmackDown on this show, I don't see an incentive, even if he is a draw for fucking WWE, to want to grab Phil Brooks and put them on a program, uh, you know, with wrestling. It's just back to his old shit. I do think that CM Punk is not as angry as he was a long time ago. I think he's moved past that. He, he at least says he has. Time does heal somewhat. Look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. No one ever thought he would come back. Uh, Bret Hart, the Ultimate Warrior. There's so many. So that it is possible to get him in the ring. That's kind of weary to me. I would, if if that were to happen, I would enjoy it. I would love to see a program with him and Daniel Bryan. Actually, all right, we'll we'll, we'll say that. I, I think I've said enough. We'll talk about possible opponents and go down that route next. Uh, but Chris, anything off of what I said that you'd like to make a statement towards? No, I think a lot of our opinions on this one are pretty much aligned. Um, I would love to see him do commentary. I think like when they were talking about getting him an AEW, I thought that was kind of a perfect fit for him, especially now that they're doing like AEW Dark, kind of being like the Dark commentator and then building him to a match if they wanted to do like a one-off with him and Jericho, which I think would have made a lot of sense. Uh, I you know I know that he was offered a good like it's been said that he was offered a good amount of money and then he kind of no sold that as it was just conversation through text which is weird. Um, there's still stuff about Punk that kind of rubs me the wrong that way. Was, 
that, that was actually a report uh, that, that was recent that he actually talked to Tony Khan specifically. Yeah, but I, all of that stuff is just not, not – it's all the stuff since the pipe bomb promo that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Some of the things that he said about fans and some of the way he reacts on Twitter, and maybe he's uh, chilled out a little bit, and this is going to be something to make me like CM Punk. Um, a bit more, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it, it, we'll get into the possible opponents because I have a few that I think could have good matches and build good stories with Funk for sure. So yeah, let's talk about that. We know that Seth and Bray both called him out, but I don't want to see him anywhere near Bray Wyatt. Seth Rollins would honestly be a great match, but that's just a match. There's one person in particular. Uh, Daniel Bryan's a good idea. I think it's a safe idea. I think that would make a lot of sense. They could have an awesome program together. Punk could be the heel. Daniel Bryan could be the heel. It doesn't really matter with the two of them. Um, and that would be awesome. You don't need the title with a situation like that. I don't know if I've seen much of CM Punk interacting with AJ Styles. And that concept to me sounds really intriguing. Uh, whatever way they do it, you know, Punk being the arrogant uh, baby face, kind of that projection version of himself with AJ as a heel with the club, messing up with Punk. They could bring Gallows into it since he was involved in the uh, the uh, Straight Edge Society if they wanted to go down that route. Um, you know, it would be it would be really cool to see those two uh, people. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, when it comes to Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, it is to protect Punk if he's not able to keep up as much as he was. Um, they could really, you know, kind of dim the lights on some of those problems. Uh, anyone in NXT, honestly, I, I would love to see uh, Punk work with, and I'm sure a lot of them would. Adam Cole and CM Punk would be awesome. Velveteen Dream and CM Punk would be really interesting. Aleister Black, going back to the main roster, and CM Punk both being the Street Fighters, you know, that type of uh, kickboxing, they can kind of maybe adapt a match around that. Andrade is a serious, uh, interesting choice as well. Uh, there, it, there's a lot of people, but if I could pick, and also Samoa Joe, like you said beforehand, that would be fucking awesome to have them have a program in WWE together. My number one, though, would be AJ Styles. I just think that it's intriguing. They're both from the same era, you know, uh, and I, I know that they've crossed paths, but I don't know if they've specifically had, like, a program or several matches together. So that would be my thing for WrestleMania, especially if this were to be, like, in my scenario, if we if he just wants to come in and he's out at Mania, I would say him and Daniel Bryan. I think it would make a lot of sense if he were to have his last match, and I think that him and Daniel Bryan would put on a fucking awesome match, and you could just do it. I don't think it's going to be the main event, though, so I, I hope Punk can, uh, can live with that. Uh, that. That was a terrible joke. Anyways, uh, Chris, what do you think? I, think I, I would probably – yeah, some some of the ones that you named for sure, I, I would say, uh, you know, Daniel, as far as main roster, there's three that I would see, Rey Mysterio Jr., just because I feel like he's got the babyface promo chops to make that work, especially a CM Punk coming back as a as a heel. I think that would be a good one. Samoa Joe, obviously, just because of the history, and they've always had great matches together. Um, and then the third shit, probably, uh, I, I either, did I, did I say Daniel Bryan already? Yeah, I guess I think AJ so. Styles. Yeah, so AJ Styles would be my third as far as the main roster goes, just because I think they would once again, I think they would have a great match and AJ's a great can be a great storyteller if they give them enough time to have that match. Uh for NXT, I mean Adam Cole 
I think the uh, the promos would be really good between those two. It makes sense to I don't want to say necessarily put those two together, but it would be kind of fun seeing seeing those two go at it. Um, and like strangely enough, like Matt Riddle, I think you could do a lot of like punk punk versus riddle you could work in some of the like some of what you were saying with the ufc stuff with alistair black i think you could do more of that kind of a, a shoot-esque match between between punk and matt riddle and i think it would be really good for matt riddle to have someone of uh punk's caliber to bounce off of oh and, and riddle riddle has a uh, one up on punk because he's an ex-ufc fighter that beat john jones and he can talk shit and talk down to punk if he try to act too arrogant about it so that actually is very interesting yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good way to go. I, I mean, we obviously we don't know what they're doing with Riddle because he's kind of been bouncing around. But if you're going to do something soon, you know, that would be the big one. And if it's just a one-off giant WrestleMania match, I think you channel back the year of Punk. You bring in John Cena. You do John Cena versus uh, CM Punk for one last time. Yeah. And you have CM Punk tear him down the same way he did previously. Uh, and you have John Cena, uh, you know, be John Cena. John Cena is really good at cutting those promos for these big matches like he did with The Rock, like he did uh, – he's good at being the guy that gets attacked on promos but kind of holding his own. And, you know, Cena's coming off the movies. You could do something cool with those two. Uh, Cena's not going to do Saudi Arabia, so that would have to be like a uh, – you know, either a SummerSlam or WrestleMania-type deal uh, for that to work out. But SummerSlam would make a lot of sense too because I, if I'm not mistaken, that's where Punk won the title in Chicago. Um, so you could do something cool like that if you're if you're talking about like a, a legacy wrestler because I don't really consider John Cena, you know, full time at this point. Yeah, I, I I do love that idea. I'm sure there's some people that are screaming, but I think they have history. Their match was fucking awesome. Um, I think arguably the best match out of both of their careers. Um, I would have to really think about it, but. I think that would be a good way. And, and the thing is, Cena's kind of hinted that he would like to do one last run. Or if if he's going to do something in wrestling, it's going to be soon, and he's got to stop because he's obviously projected for movies. He's become a pretty damn big action star. So, God, if they if they had a Mania match or, like you said, a SummerSlam match, especially a Mania match, it was both of their last match. I think that would be a good thing for both of their legacies to go out on and uh, hang their hat on, too. But it's it's a it's a very interesting thing. Before we move on and start talking about full gear, the last question though, because a lot of people bring up the Saudi Arabia thing, we know that Punk's pretty, you know, the people that are saying no to Saudi Arabia are either people that are trying to do something within their career and probably have a moral obligation to it, like a John Cena or someone like Daniel Bryan, who just it, that morally that's that's not going to fucking happen. Uh, CM Punk's seems like he's kind of uh, in that type of level with the Daniel Bryan, like that same type of mindset. And also he's trying to blossom now his movie career and who knows where it's going to go, but he's trying. I heard his horror movies really good. You know, he has some, some desire to try other things. So would CM Punk want to be involved with Saudi Arabia with WWE or would he want to just get, make X amount of money for such run you know, help out either SmackDown or NXT or whatever and just do that? Or do you think that they could convince him with money to go over to Saudi Arabia? Or would he be like a lot of the guys that are like, nope, not going to happen, Chris? 
I mean, personally, I think you would say it's not going to happen, but when you look at the big money events in WWE and what it would probably take to get him back after the company, I don't know, fired him on his wedding day and then also <laughs> tried to hold him up in court for <laughs> forever. I'm thinking it would take a big paycheck, and the only one of those events that's really going to pay out like that is going to be either the, both the Saudi Arabia shows or the WrestleMania sh- So the WrestleMania thing is probably the most likely if he ever does come back. But yeah, I, I would assume that he – I would have to assume he probably would turn down the Saudi thing, but it it would also be the most amount of money that he would make out of any of the WWE shows if he chose to do that. Uh, so that's one of those, you know, money talks, bullshit walks kind of thing. And, you know, if you're cool with passing on that paycheck, I know maybe there will be a lot more people uh, at this next event, but that I, that just from – where the money goes in WWE, that's those are going to be the three biggest paydays. So those would be the events you would assume that he would be thrown into or asked about. I agree. And actually, I know I said that was the last one, but this is also a good point. I saw someone bring up, and uh, Paige actually tweeted about this. Either as a segment role, which it, it, there, it has been reported that Fox is interested in, in her, uh, or possibly in-ring return, you know, CM Punk's married to a very amazing female wrestler, AJ Lee. Uh, if any involvement happens with Punk with this show on FS1 or possibly him coming back to wrestling, is there a possibility that someone that seems like a transitional person between the Divas and now, you know, era of wrestling along with Paige, could AJ Lee make a uh, possible return? Is that is that something that you could see happening, especially if Punk makes an in-ring return? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, that's one I haven't really thought on. Um, I mean, if CM Punk comes back and he's working like a Lesnar schedule where he's doing multiple pay-per-views, that would make a lot of sense to me. But if it's like a one-off WrestleMania thing, I don't necessarily know that they're going to bring her back and in WWE bringing spouses back is never it's not necessarily the best thing that's how you end up with like CM Punk and AJ Lee versus The Miz and Maurice or something or Bobby Lashley and Lana god forbid so (laughs) as a wrestling fan like I I would love to see like you know AJ mix it up with one of the four horsewomen or something I think that'd be really cool um, so I'm not against it at all. It's just that it, WWE is so heavy handed with some of that shit that that would that, like make me worried. CM Punk does two shows and then the next event, it's like an intergender tag match with the Miz. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. I would love to see her rumble though with, uh, either Sasha Banks would be cool. Um, Nikki Cross to see who the fuck the biggest, craziest person between the two of them would be great. Alexa Bliss would be a lot of, would it be an interesting, uh, thing to set up but you know there is that she is a pretty damn uh good wrestler and we kind of forget that she's also been missed i would say uh you know the women's wrestling has gotten a hell of a lot better but like i said her and Paige probably helped out a lot during that era and certain other ladies changed from one thing to the other uh before the four horsewomen really solidified that so who knows a lot of possibilities are out there uh, it is exciting, you know, with all this stuff between WWE and AEW, uh, maybe as crazy as it sounds, I, I mean, n- reporting not too long ago with Vince getting Eric Bischoff and fucking Paul Heyman involved, obviously Eric's been gone, but crazier things have happened, basically. And if Punk goes back to WWE, this is 
Just something that's been one of the craziest wrestling years in a very long time in 2019. Any closing statements, Chris? Yeah, I think, you know, when AJ Lee left the company, she was out with an injury leading up to that, and she was kind of playing like a GM role even before then. And I believe it was a neck injury, so even if she wanted to come back, I'm not – I don't know what her medical status would be. And I know that she's uh, recently released a book that's gotten high praise. I think it's about anxiety and dealing with anxiety and kind of how that affected her life, which apparently is a really good read. I haven't read it, so I'm not going to give it like a glowing review or anything, but uh, I've heard good things about it. Um, So maybe, you know, that's where she sticks, but I, I, you know, her showing up and, and doing some uh, commentary and stuff like they've done with Lita in the past. Yeah. I'm like totally fine with that. I think that'd be fucking cool. Yeah. Or, you know, especially with Paige, if they wanted to fucking make the managers, but WWE's worried about that shit. Instead, they take one of the guys on their rosters. That's an actual wrestler and make him a manager. Love you, Sami Zayn, but I don't know what the fuck's going on. (laughs) Well, last time AJ Lee was a manager, Daniel Bryan lost in seven seconds. And then that kind of started the yes movement. So maybe, maybe they should make her someone's manager. (laughs) Maybe. How about she's crazy enough to, to manage the fiend? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. If anyone from fucking WWE is listening to me, just pretend uh, that I didn't say that. Anyways, um, let's move on to this uh, pay-per-view, man. I mean, I've been excited to talk to you about it. You know, we were, we were uh, messaging each other back and forth. And of course, at least I wasn't getting inebriated while I was watching it throughout the course of Saturday night. Bullshit. Um, but, yeah, there was a pay-per-view from AEW, their first pay-per-view since they've been doing Dynamite. And uh, this Full Gear, uh, I like Full Gear a lot. Um, I did have some problems with it, uh, but I liked a majority of it. So we'll just kind of go straight into this. I'm hoping my memory is going to be there uh, because it's been since Saturday, and I didn't get a chance to watch it a second time, which I kind of always like to do to really uh, make myself a giant wrestling dork, honestly. Um, not, not really, but, you know. To really get all the details, but I, like I said, I need I need to get a hobby. I love you wrestling, but you know you're just ridiculous. But uh, let's get into this. The buy-in happened, and uh, during the buy-in, basically, it was all the promos that you've seen uh, building up uh, throughout the programs, uh, plus a match between Britt Baker, DMD, going against uh, B Priestley. And um, I actually have to say, I really like this ladies' match, uh, or I should say, women's match. Um, you know, B. B. Priestley, I know that it's been said that she is uh, in, influenced by Chris Jericho, and it's been talked about with Chris Jericho taking in a female member to try to get the, the women's championship uh, under her, under his ranks within the, um, the I was about to say the Dark Order, um, the, the inner circle, not the Dark Order. Um, I, B. would actually be someone that would make a lot of sense. I think she is a very good heel the way that she uh, – she she works within the match, and I thought that her and uh, Britt had a pretty damn good match, especially for the match that's on the buy-in. Uh, but inevitably, Britt Baker won by submission with the lockjaw. After the match, Brandy Rhodes and Awesome Kong made an appearance and attacked Priestley and cut off some of her hair with a knife. I know people were really weirded out by this. Like, what the hell is this? I actually think it's kind of cool. I think they're going to do some type of voodoo thing. You know, it's it's very Papa Shango-esque, but if there's going to be something where, you know, we've already talked about where Kong is going to be managed by Brandy and do her 
dirty work, if you will, and there's going to be something. Either they're doing this as a collection for each victim, which is kind of dumb because all of them are going to be wrestling the next week because obviously she did at the alley uh, last night. Or maybe she's going to be able to control them with this. I don't know. The vignettes have been pretty vague, but I think that's what they're going for. But it doesn't bother me that Brandy's a heel. I know a lot of people are like, it's inconsistent. Just shut the fuck up and watch the goddamn thing. Anyways, maybe I should take that medicine sometimes too. I don't know. But uh, Chris, what do you think about this first match with Dr. Britt Baker and B Priestley? I thought it was fine. I mean, to me, it wasn't anything to write home about. I thought it was weird they have Britt Baker just taking a bunch of kicks to the head after coming back to from a concussion. Uh, outside of that, I mean, the match itself was fine. I am interested to see where they go with the Awesome Kong thing. It's I don't necessarily know that she needs a gimmick. Like, she could just be a hired gun, which is kind of what they brought her out as anyways when they did the uh, the last Brandy Rhodes match. Wasn't she kind of Brandy Rhodes' enforcer? And then I think that was, what, the female battle royal that they did? Yeah. With Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of weird that, like, she has to do more than just ask Awesome Kong to be Awesome Kong, I guess. Um, I don't know. We'll see where they go. I kind of like the idea of it just being people that she destroys. It's similar to, you know, I mean, they did that with Bray Wyatt as well. Like, Jerry the King Waller showed up the next week fine. Um, so it would be weird for me to crap on one and not on the other. Um, the voodoo thing, I'd, if you're going for a sports feel with AEW, I think they should stay as far away from that stuff as they possibly can. So I'm assuming that's that they're going to go with just that those are scalps. She's taking people's scalps until someone can stop her. And I don't know, that match probably leads to Nyla Rose or they bring Aja Kong in, would be my guess. Probably after Awesome Kong destroys Rio or something. Yep. Um, all right, well, then we started the uh, the main card. And uh, we had Pride and Powerful going against the Young Bucks. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express were at ringside, and Prime Powerful won the match clean with a street sweeper. After the match, Sammy Guevara came to the ring to help beat down the Bucks. The Rock and Roll Express made a save featuring Ricky Morton hitting a fucking a, a, a sunset flip uh, Canadian Destroyer, followed by a dive to the outside. While Robert Gibson was trying to stare in five directions, just kidding, Robert, I'm just saying you and Sean probably have the worst eyesight out of any wrestlers. Um, Ricky Morton does a fucking dive and a goddamn sunset sunset flip Canadian destroyer. God, that is like a mouthful. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know, i got to reevaluate this match and think about what happened exactly. I do remember kind of being aggravated with one of my consistent problems with the tag division within AEW is a lack of uh, tags. Um and a lot of stuff that involves a referee that's kind of screwy. But I'm going to pass it to you, Chris, and kind of like try to reevaluate everything, maybe get some uh, some inspiration and, and infor- information from you. I thought this match was fine. For I mean, it, it was a pretty good match overall. I mean, I like uh, – God, I am not calling them proud and powerful. I'm like, I like LAX and the Young Bucks both. <laughs> it takes longer to say proud and powerful, and I always feel like I'm going to say it fucking backwards. Um, yeah, no, I like Santino and Ortiz quite a bit. I thought this was a, a good win for them, especially because they are building up a match. I think it is a little weird that the Young Bucks have lost their last 
what I want to say their last two or three tag matches outside of like three-way tags. They won the one with uh, Omega. Um, I like they're actually giving us finishes because if this was WWE, you would have some sort of fuck finish here, uh, especially with the inner circle being there. So I like that we actually got a finish and I like the rock and roll express kind of, uh, you know, getting the crowd back into it. If you're going to have the young bucks lose, at least the rock and roll express got, got some payback on uh, LAX at the end. And Ricky Morton's been doing this Canadian destroyer (laughs) in the Indies as well. So I've seen it like three or four times now and it's still incredible. Um, He's such a nice guy. I've met him twice. He's a super nice dude. It's just crazy to see them out here having this match. We were talking about, like, they were talking about them before the Hardys went back to WWE because they did that ladders match with the Hardys. And I was like, it's like they just keep learning shit and doing crazier shit the older they get. They're like, are they in the, like, the Terry Funk stage of their career at this point? Like, is this their ECW moment (laughs) with them doing these indie shows? and Canadian destroyers and suicide dive. I mean, it's great and it's cool to see them adapting and stuff. But it is it is a little wild to think about going back to uh, you know 1980s Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, man, it's they're they're crazy. Uh, you know, we we talk longevity and they're definitely just ridiculous. Oh, man, All right, Chris, who do you think could win the stare off between Shawn Michaels and Robert Gibson, or would they actually be staring at each other? I mean, a little bit of both, but I'm going to assume Sean because he'd probably make a dick joke and win. Hey, uh, just, you know, anyways, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Sean sounds like to me. Every single time he's about to start a sentence. Hey, uh, <laughs> he can't oh, help it all that trip. All that hanging out with Triple H rubbed off on him, so he's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> Triple H. Uh. Hey, Sean, Sean, why, why are you talking like you're my brother or something? You are my brother. Come <laughs> over here. All right. Well, um, this next match was a match between Hangman, Adam Page, and Pac. We know that uh, previously Pac had a win. Uh, this was the second match between them. Well, technically the third, but I think that the first match that they had in Britain was – Something happened in it, or it was a draw or some bullshit. Anyways, this match, Hangman Page, even the score between him and Pac. Uh, Page uh, pinned Pac after a dead-eye, back-to-belly pile driver. Um, just standard match. Man, these guys do work really fucking well together. They had another match, which was the uh, – it was supposed to be the last match between the two of them, but it doesn't seem like it's positioned that way. But the rubber match was last night on Dynamite, and – they have really great chemistry, man. Uh, Adam Page, as much as I wish that they would develop him more as a character, he is winning me over just by saying cowboy shit and doing really well in the ring. I will give him that. So, uh, and 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 I mean, Pack. I keep on fucking it up. But the bastard Pack, uh, he's a badass, man. He's he's one of the best wrestlers they have on the roster, like completely all the way through. Grand the mic, great in the ring. Looks intimidating, you know. He's he's just he's awesome. So uh, yeah, uh, I thought it was a pretty damn good match. Uh, I actually like their third match better. The one last night I thought was a pretty fucking good match. It was very tight, toy like a toy guy. Chris, what do you think about this match between uh, Adam Page and the Bastard Peck? I love this match. I thought it's probably my second favorite match on the entire show. If I'm being completely honest, um, and, and the reason I say that the the match they had at the previous pay per view. 
if you recall, uh, it played in the bastard pack. He low blowed Adam Page to get the win. Well, he goes for the low blow here, but Page remembers that shit and spoils the plan, which I really appreciate that there's some continuity and that the babyface didn't get hit with the same move twice in a row. He learned from it. Hangman picks up the win. Um, I really enjoyed this match, the bastard pack. Uh, that's how I remember his name, just because Jr. drives it in my head as as the bastard pack instead of calling him Puck. Uh, so, I I like this match a lot. I am still fucking baffled that WWE just let this guy go because he was doing great shit there too. Um, incredible, good for Pack. I think he's going to be a big star. Uh, obviously, after this inner circle and um, down the line, we're probably looking down the line like six months. I there's no reason why he couldn't be a top heel champion after they've kind of read uh, rode Jericho into the ground a little bit. Uh, I could definitely see him being one of the top champions as well as uh, someone in a match later coming up later later on, and that kind of plays into TV on Wednesday as well. But we'll get there when we get there, I guess. All right. Well, let's let's continue down our travels. Our next match was a match set up. Pretty much on AEW Dark between Sean Spears and Joey Janela. Uh, long story short, Joey Janela was smoking in an area where Tully was. Tully told him to put the cigarette out. He didn't do that, so he disrespected him. A couple weeks later, Tully gets Sean to grab him while he's smoking another cigarette, and then they take pliers, take out his tongue, and insinuate that they burn the cigarette out on his tongue. Uh, then, obviously, uh, Joey tried to get involved in Sean Spears' match previously before this, and this was the match. Uh, between the two, and it was a good match. Um, I, I will, you know, I, I wish that there was more set up on the actual programming. I kind of already said that, but they try to set it up as quick as they could. Obviously, the big highlight is, you know, Spears had, was going for Spike Pie Driver and got an assist from Tully Blanchard uh, on the floor, which was fucking awesome. And then he set him up in the ring, did the Death Valley Driver, and got the win. Um, I, I I like this match. I just think that since they were going to keep on going, obviously Tully got involved, so that's the reason why they're continuing it. But they could have just started it like they did last night. I really feel like there's two stars that should have been on here, and you could have built up a program between the two of them and told an awesome in-ring story between Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, and they would have had a great match. And if it was me, if I'm just doing Fantasy Booker, which everyone does, that is the match I would have had on this, and I would have taken this and put it elsewhere or at least prolonged it. But, hey, it was it was still a good match, and that spot with Tully was fucking awesome. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, even though he's like an old man now, it, it brought me back to the Brain Buster days and, and before that. But, uh, Chris, what do you think about this match? So I like most of this match. There was a weird spot in the middle where Spears is working over Janela, and then he just goes to a rest hold, which was very WWE. It felt kind of weird on the show. Um, so I don't know what happened there, but I, Tully's awesome. Like Tully selling Nakazawa's uh, baby oil um, <laughs> that previous Wednesday and taking the bump uh, was great. I like the spot, Spike Paul driver spot. I like that he convinced Sean Spears to put a cigarette out on Joey Janela's uh, tongue. I will say this match in the women's match were pretty much – completely built off AEW Dark. So if you don't watch AEW Dark, you may – I mean, I know they kind of recapped it before on the pay-per-view. Um, but, like, you don't really get why they're so pissed at each other. 
or why the match should be important. Like you don't really get to see him. Like if you didn't watch AW Dark, you didn't get to see Sakura win uh, the number one contenders three or four way match that she was in. Like you wouldn't have an understanding of how she became the number one contender, if that makes sense. And then with the Sean Spears thing, yeah, like Janelle is pissed. He's trying to jump in, but they didn't do a good job of like re-showing the and, and maybe this is a TNT thing where they're like I don't know man you can't be putting cigarettes out on people's tongues um, <laughs> or whatever but uh, to me that was the, the the part that bothered me the most obviously I watched all of it so I knew what was going on but if you like as a as a fan that maybe doesn't watch AW Dark and you kind of just tune into TNT and maybe you're going to buy a pay-per-view here and there that's something they have to be better about uh, as far as their television goes um putting that shit over like WWE would have put that shit over like constantly on every show leading up to the pay-per-view. But yeah, that's, that's a problem more with their TNT show than anything else. But uh, yeah, I love, I love, yeah, I agree. More Tully. More Tully, man. (laughs) Seriously. More Tully as much as we can have them. But uh, yeah, I I completely agree with you. Uh, And I've, I've been saying that is that, you know, they got to realize that they can set up stuff and, 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 you know, kind of try to set up certain personalities and storyline on their online shows with being the elite um, or any of this stuff or AEW Dark even. But realize that the larger audience that's going to view you might not watch that type of stuff. So trying to set up things for a pay-per-view, like I said, I kind of wish that since Sammy was involved the whole entire time with the inner circle, that they would have kind of somehow got Darby within there to kind of start shit with, I mean, he did go against Chris Jericho, maybe Sammy sticks up for him or something like that. So that would have been on here instead of this. And they could have started the exact same program like they did last night. I mean, Joey's pissed because after a week and a half, he comes back. Like you just put a cigarette out on my fucking tongue, dude. Like, I mean, that would be a reason for anyone <laughs> to do that, but you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's hindsight 2020. Yeah, I mean the Dar- the Darby thing is just that they want to get to that Moxley Darby match. It seems like so they're just skating God, over the fact that awesome. Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho handcuffed him and whipped the shit out of him. I guess they're just <laughs> gonna skate by that. Um, yeah, when you're talking about consistencies, look, man, we shit on WWE all the time for this, but like if I'm Darby Allen and I get handcuffed and beat up by like four dudes, that's probably the people I'm gonna go after first. Not just Moxley because he says he's the craziest fucker on the roster. Like you can get to Moxley later down the line, but uh, yeah. So from that standpoint, I, I, I mean, do you feel the same way about that? Like, oh yeah, okay, oh yeah. So I definitely yeah, do. yeah. But I mean, I'm excited for Darby versus Moxley. They're probably gonna murder each other, but yeah, <laughs> dude, it's it's modern. It's modern Jeff Hardy versus modern Terry Funk. It's gonna be awesome. They're probably gonna light each other on fire and fall. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> like I'm, I'm excited for that, but as far as like a storyline goes, it would make more sense for Darby Allen to be trying to take out members of the inner circle and maybe fuck yeah, them over and, for this upcoming match they have with the elite. And I think Sammy would have been a perfect choice for that, but we'll probably see that match and pairing in the future, so I shouldn't probably think that much into it. So we'll continue. Um, Kip Sabian was interviewed backstage. Uh, he cut a heel promo. Uh, sounded good, and he introduced his new uh, manager, valet, girlfriend, Penelope Ford. I hope to see her more involved in the women's division. I, I'm not, I don't really care if she's a human baby face. I think she's good in the ring. Um, and now they're together. And if this was WWE, uh, they would have put them immediately in a program against Joey Janela 
uh, because that's her ex-boyfriend, and that's how WWE is. They're twisted. Uh, so maybe maybe uh, Cody will decide to do that anyways. I have no idea. But cool to see Kip in uh, some type of capacity uh, backstage. Uh, that was one thing that they did that WWE does not do a lot of, in that they still did backstage uh, vignettes during the pay-per-view. Chris, what do you think about Kip Sabian um, uh, in his interview and his involvement now with his now girlfriend, Penelope Ford? He's had he's had two decent promos. He had one uh, that I thought was really good on AEW Dark, talking about being undefeated. Unfortunately, I think he lost uh, right after that. The the fall because I think they went against if I'm not the the following night I think they ended up going against Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Um, so obviously they kind of lost there, but uh, so that was his first official loss. But I kind of like you know him having a manager. He cut, he's cuts a pretty good heel promo. I think he's pretty pretty damn good in the ring. And I am kind of glad they're not going straight to the Joey Janela thing. Maybe it is a blessing in disguise that uh, Janela is in this feud with. I'm just gonna say he's in a feud with Tully Blanchard because like Sean Spears is not clicking with me yet. So <laughs> Tully and uh, Janela is in a feud together. <laughs> God, that'd be an interesting match. <laughs> I think I think eighty eighty nine Tully Blanchard would look at Joey Janela, laugh, and punch him in the face, and then Joey Janela would probably get up uh, with a bloody nose and try to fight him afterwards, anyways, uh, with a beer bottle that was broken, something like that. Well, anyways, yeah, so what you're so what you're saying is Joey J- or Tully Blanchard would channel his inner Enzo and go, "I'll kick your ass, boy," at a Blink One Eighty Two show. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I I would oh, okay. love to see Tully Blanchard with that exact haircut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's going to uh, be the third member of the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, All right, all right. So we had the triple threat. Uh, match for the AEW Tag Team Championships. SCU, the champions, went against Lucha Bros and Private Party. This is a damn good match, man. Uh, there is that concept, though, that that's, that's there that does annoy me is, like, sometimes it gets to the point where it's like, I have no clue who the fuck's in the ring. The Rev definitely doesn't, and I know JR doesn't because he's bitching about it right now. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> this is fast-paced, a lot of action, not a lot of direction and story, uh, which which is fine. But SCU got to win against the Lucha Bros. Um and uh, Private Party, you know, got to look good. And I, I, I didn't think that, uh, you know, they were going to get the win. I thought that SCU was going to retain. SCU hit a combination gory special knee strike on Isaiah Cassidy to win the match. Afterwards, the Lucha Bros were pissed because neither one of them were pinned. Attacked SCU. The lights went out. And a second Pentagon was suddenly in the ring. Oh, this happened before, I think. Uh, the intruder attacked Pentagon and unmasked himself to be the returning Christopher Daniels with his old school fallen angel little eye thing going on. Thought that was a cool throwback. Um, so yeah, that was a that was interesting. Getting Chris, what did you think about this match? I like the match itself. I, I you can always tell when Jr. doesn't know what the fuck's going on because he's like, the refs gotta get control of this match. Damn it! <laughs> and like every one of these tag matches. I don't know if you've noticed that, but that's when he's I, I clearly hope, like. <laughs> I hope he says something like, "All right, that's it, Excalibur. You just keep on going. I'm taking a nap. This is stupid." <laughs> um, just tell me it's. I uh, just tell me what the rules are. I like like I said on the show leading up to this. Just tell me what the fuck. I don't care if you're gonna tell me like 
look, tag, it's Lucha rules. Tags don't matter. Just tell me that it's Lucha rules and tags don't matter. I don't care as long as I have a clear guideline of what it is. Um, I mean, I think that's going to be a problem with the Lucha brothers in general, uh, <laughs> more than anyone else. Uh, I will say, you know, you, you talked about that first tag match and it seemed, and I, I think I even sent you a message that they were trying to do more, what we had called like NWA, WCW style tags with, you know, uh, the five count to get in and out of the ring. Obviously it's the young bucks. So you still had some spots that you could be like, yeah, well, um, but for the most part, they were actually trying to abide by tag rules. This one, they just threw that shit out the window because it's like triple threat match, whatever. Or just make every triple threat match, if you're going to do these, just make them all, instead of like explaining lucha rules, just make them all no DQ. And they can just explain, yeah. well, there's no disqualification. It's not like the ref could say he can't get in the ring. I mean, you would hope as a sportsman he wouldn't do that, but <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, I thought the match itself was really good. I like FTU retaining here. Um, and when we get into Wednesday night, I will further like that. I think that they're building to something with Christopher Daniels and Kazari and maybe turning on our our good friend here, uh, Scorpio Sky. That's where I think this is leading to. I like the Pentagon thing because we've seen it previously. I can't remember. I don't remember the saying that he does, but that's kind of what happened. Sierra it was Miro. like, who the hell is this dude? Yeah. They, and then Christopher Daniel does that, and, and Pentagon's like, oh, shit, it's my bro. And then just immediately got his ass kicked, <laughs> which I'm fine with because it's it's Pentagon. So he's kind of crazy and loopy. And if you've watched Lucha Underground, this, this all checks out. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was, I know, I know, it upset some people. They're like, "Well, that seems super dumb. Like he wouldn't know it was Christopher Daniels." And you're like, "Well, no. Pentagon is kind of a, a mystical being. Uh, watch Lucia Underground. It'll make more sense, I guess. That's the best way to explain it." <laughs> Such an underrated wrestling show, man. Um, yeah, and and I do agree with you. Uh, I also think that Scorpio Sky, uh, when when they finally make the video game, his finisher is going to be a roll up. Um, judging on a couple of his wins recently, uh, but but uh, yeah, uh, I I thought it was a good match, but yeah, just get the rules a little bit tighter, man. And I think that fucking last night, and I'm pretty sure Mike Knox is always in the tag matches. And last night, Excalibur decided to insult my intelligence and everyone that's watching it by saying Mike Knox is the most efficient tag referee that we have. And I'm like, the guy that keeps on fucking missing shit. Why the hell would you even say that? Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's, you're like, maybe, that's maybe, how the stuff bothers maybe, me. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're like, in my head when he said that, I was like, maybe you let Audrey Edwards have a shot at it because, like, like, he's not doing a very good job. <laughs> yeah, man. No shit. Put girl Hebner Anyways. in there. We need more girl Hebner. <laughs> girl All Hebner. All right, so the AEW Women's Championship match happened after this, and we had the champion Rio going against uh, Emi Sakura, which is actually the person that taught her how to wrestle. So we had a student versus teacher match. This is a damn good match between the ladies. I will say that I know that a lot of people weren't as intrigued with this match because they complained that there was a lack of storyline and that the only main thing going into the match was that one was the teacher and one was a student and the student was a champion. So that old trope might have not hung well. But for me, the match itself and both ladies, uh, you know, just showing their abilities really won me over. And especially the emotional um, pull at the end of it, 
because both ladies, especially Sakura, started getting pretty emotional, especially after the win. So I thought it was a pretty damn good match, but I can understand why people might have not enjoyed it as much because I feel like it wasn't built uh, that well, which I can kind of agree with. Chris, what do you think about this ladies' match? Well, I would be I would be amiss if I didn't bring up the, the the video package they did beforehand. I thought it was really really well done. We're showing footage of like a ten year old Rio, former gymnastics student, learning how to wrestle from Sakura and and Kenny talking about their time together and, and explaining the the teacher versus student. Obviously, they could have done this prior to the pay per view. Um, Everything for I love this match. This is probably my favorite match of the night. So whether I get heat on that or whatever, I don't give a shit because it was my, my favorite match on the show. And I think I even told you that as soon as it happened. I was like, they just stole the show, in my opinion. But I, I thought this was a really, really well-worked match. Um, Emmy, as soon as she steps in the ring, she basically almost – like she's so happy that she basically starts crying but then is able to turn it off and be this complete heel in the middle of the match. Like she cheats the rest, like yelling at her and she does like a fake cry, which is pretty great. She's, she's still somehow like getting people to do the, um, the queen stomp, you know, to, we will rock you, even though like (laughs) she's a heel. So like half the audience is like, Hey, stop that. Which is pretty great. Um, Rio is absolutely incredible. The way they built that storyline, uh, it, you know, it's set up in that turnbuckle spot where she did the double stomp off the turnbuckle onto the ring apron. I thought that was a really, really cool stomp, and it did set up. And the finish was a payoff from the student beating the teacher because the teacher outworked her on the Wednesday show. So Sakura, you know, beat her with those that series of roll-ups, which I love because it reminds me of uh, some of the early cruiserweight stuff in WCW where you would have these like crazy pin scenarios that would go on for like two minutes. Um, and before that, they were just having kind of a standard match, and it really just picked up. I appreciate that so much that it wasn't like, here's some false finishes. Okay, they're going to go back and forth. Here's a counter, and there's the finish. Uh, instead, they did something kind of unique that you don't see a lot, and I really appreciated it, and I liked the match a lot. And I liked the emotion afterwards. I love Rio as champion. I think the fans are completely behind her. I don't know who her next opponent is going to be, is more of the bigger question mark, but I like this match a lot. I like the video package, and I like that they played off of their match on Wednesday. Yeah, it is a good. Uh, that's a good question. Who is Rio going to be going against next? You would think they would try to get a heel, so they're going to keep Britt Baker away from that as of right now because it seems like they're high on her. I don't know. We're going to have to wait, but people have to get wins. Right now, Nyla Rose is collecting wins, but she, you know, lost initially to Rio, so maybe we get them going back in that direction again. Um, it's very uh, interesting. More Jamie Not Hader. Only that, <laughs> Jamie Hader, B. Priestley, or uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe Kong's going to finally come for Rio for that title soon, and that's going to be at least some type of program. I would say the end of her, I would assume, but we'll have to find out. Um <laughs> We have the AEW World Championship match, Chris Jericho going against Cody. This is probably my favorite match of the night. I definitely like the Rio match, and I definitely like the uh, other one that we talked about that we really liked. Oh, uh, the uh, Adam Page and Pack. Pack. Yeah. Pack match. Pack. The uh, bastard Pack. You know, it's so weird because it's not that I didn't like the tag team matches, but the, the singles ones were a little bit, to me, uh, just just better worked. 
And with the tag stuff, I expected AEW immediately to be the best tag team wrestling because that's what they cited they were going to be, especially with the Bucks. And I feel like I'm not ever looking forward to the tag matches as much as the singles matches. To be uh, honest with I, you, I think they've had some, I think they've had some fucking great ones. That private party uh, Young Bucks match was fucking awesome. That the the first two Lucha Brother Young Bucks matches were fucking awesome. Um, some of the three way the three way with the Young Bucks or that the Young Bucks versus Cody and Dustin match I, I thought was pretty fucking awesome. I guess I guess I'm I'm trying to talk directly about Dynamite. Um, so I will agree with that Bucks and um and the uh, the private party match, but I thought a lot of the other ones. Uh, the main thing that's been fucking me up is the fact that the rules, and you could say that the tag matches have been great and have been a lot of fun, but I've been enjoying the single matches much more, to me at least. Um, oh, I mean, but, yeah, uh, I, I, I can agree with you completely because, I mean, there's also been some really great singles matches, so it's, you know, that I, I, there, well, that I was just too, saying there I mean, has been some good tag matches. Specifically to me, though, the the tag team division I thought was going to be a hell of a lot more efficient than it seems like it is right now. That's all. Um, AEW World Championship match, Chris Jericho going against Cody. Cody's mom was at ringside. We had the great Muda, Keiji Muto, Dean Malenko, and Arn Anderson announcing as the judges should the match go to a draw. Uh, Man, the one thing I think is – it's funny. Is I I don't think Cody was planning on getting color in this match, and he has a lot in his last matches. But faith be told, I don't think, and from what every person that analyzed this, that was not supposed to happen. Where Jericho launched him out, and on the stage, it looked like he just smashed his head into it and split open pretty soon into the match. His eyebrow that was just bleeding throughout the course of the match. Um. Jake Hager interfered briefly, but was caught by Aubrey and ejected from the match. Hager beat up MJF on the way out, who was talking shit to him. Jericho and Cody went back and forth, but when Jericho had Cody in the Lion Tamer, MJF threw in the towel. Didn't even know he had a towel on him. Whatever. Uh, Which is kind of funny, because they sent Chris Jericho's quote-unquote towel holder uh, out of the match, not really uh, fair for Jericho or the match, to be honest with you. But you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just splitting hairs. Uh, but anyways, uh, he threw in the towel. Jericho won, and Cody can now never challenge for the AEW Championship match. Right uh, after the match, MJF apologized to Cody, and he was crying, and then he kicked him right in the dick, basically. And MJF, you know, and we we said this, Chris, is that. It, you know, people saw this coming, and that was kind of their complaint, I guess. But that's not always a bad thing. Maybe we should stop thinking that they're not going to do something that makes sense because that's what they did. Yeah, they could have prolonged this, but MJF is such a fucking valuable heel. Why would they? To me, get this over with, rip off the Band-Aid. And to me also, I hate to tell people, this is going to be a reasoning why Cody gets that AEW shot sometime in the future, whether it be a year from now or whatever. Is because his first time was tainted by a person that threw in a fucking towel for him and fucked him over right afterwards. So that's what I think of it. I thought it was a pretty good match. I love the part where Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko had a stare off. I thought that was cool as hell. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a uh, it was a fun match. Uh, Cody, man, he can get he can get some color, Chris. 
Yeah, this one was completely on accident. I, I sent you that immediately. I was like, well, that sucks. Uh, I was like, that's not a blade job because, like, fucking uh, – I don't think he did that on purpose. I think that was just bad spot. He also separated a rib um, during that spot, so that was just unfortunate. What what I'm, curi- what I'm curious on is if going forward they maybe just put, like, pad the ramp. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. I don't know why it needs to be a steel grate leading directly to the ring. I mean, I guess for effect, you know, a back body drop on it or whatever. Um but yeah, I mean that's the one scary part about that ramp. He did a suicide dive, which is like basically level of the ramp, so he just slid across it on his face, essentially. <laughs> um, especially, you know, like I, that's a weird spot where you don't have as much time to react if the person's getting out of the way. So I, I don't know how he was going to roll out of that. Uh, maybe that's one he probably won't do again. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, I liked the match itself. I, I liked that Jericho went over and kind of was like, hey, you better not fuck me, Dean, uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the match. Uh, throw back to some WCW days. It is a little unfair because Jericho has wrestled both, like, I think all three of those people, and they were the judges. Um, so that kind of led me to believe, oh, maybe they are going to do the 60-minute thing. And I was like, no way. They're not going to have Jericho wrestle 60 minutes. And then turns out we were right on that. Um yeah, it was a good match overall, man. I, there's not a whole lot negative I can say about it. it. You could definitely tell that Cody was a little loopy after that sick bump he took on the ramp. Um, the crowd kind of died a little bit, and and I think the reason why is they thought it was going to a time limit once it went over a certain certain period, and then they got back into it when Cody started making his comeback. Um, I like that Jericho just had him beat. Even though the towel came in, like it, that, I, I guess. Well, I like it, but I also dislike it because what was the point of throwing in the towel? Um, if that was the case, I think Cody should have been making more of an effort to get to the ropes. But it also made Jericho look super strong because at the same time, it didn't look like Cody had any way out of that lion tamer. Like he was going to pass out. I actually thought they were going to do the Stone Cold thing, where he just passes out and then do the MJF turn, which to me may have been a little better because uh, you could have done the blood loss. He passes out similar to stone cold, uh, Bret Hart. That kind of seemed like where they were going. Uh, and then the towel getting thrown in. I don't like the random towel being pulled from under the ring. It would have probably, I mean, this is nitpicking shit, but like MJF has a scarf. He could have just threw that into the ring and then yelled like stop the fight or whatever. I think that would have worked, and it would have worked with his gimmick as well because he's always wearing a stupid-ass scarf. Stupid scarf. Fuck with Cody, <laughs> son of a bitch. You're going to get your ass kicked, <laughs> MJF. <laughs> yes, so, I mean, now we just want to see. I mean, I think everyone wants to see Cody take MJF's head off, which is that's the end goal. That's great. It also sets up in the future. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Wednesday just a little bit. Uh because me and you both thought if this, you know, if he turned, he would probably be to go to the inner circle. Uh, so he's part of the inner circle. You could bullet club that where he pushes Jericho out, which could lead to some really cool, interesting shit with Jericho because Jericho is so good at changing himself. So I, I love all of the potential there with MJF, who they're definitely going to transition to their, I, I'm assuming their top heel because the dude is just so good on the fucking mic and, Pretty damn good worker, by all accounts. So, uh, I'm a, I'm excited for the MJF turn. I get why people would say it's too soon, 
but they've been suddenly hinting at it since the very first pay-per-view after All In. Whatever that first pay-per-view was called when AEW was first formed, they've been hitting at MJF as a real heel. Why the hell is he actually friends with Cody? And yeah, even though I also say to people, you know, uh, or even though I say that people shouldn't have to keep up with being the elite and AEW Dark to be able to watch the main product for a lot of these storylines, I will say some of the stuff they did on being the elite with MJF set this up very perfectly, including the first time where Cody introduced MJF to the Bucks, and he was like, oh, nice to meet you guys. You guys are so great. You know, you're so great on the industry. And then Cody, like, leaves, and he's like, all right, I'm going to be honest with you, you fucking chumps. You guys suck. No one gives a shit about you and your spot monkey bullshit, blah, 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 and talk shit to him. And then Cody comes back in, and he goes back to, like, gee, golly, gosh, you guys have great. It's going to be so fun to work with you. Like, so they, they've been building this up. I mean, MJF's a, MJF is a heel. He's a perfect heel. Uh, everyone, including Dave Metzler, cites him as the closest thing they've seen to someone being able to obtain, obtain heel heat to that level since, like, a Roddy Roddy Piper, which is MJF's favorite wrestler, even though I think he was born in, I don't know, he's like 23. So, yeah, he must have gone back and really studied stuff. But I know that he loves Piper. He's a great fucking heel. I can't wait to see the evolution of this. And it's going to be fun. With him and Cody, they're going to have great promos back and forth that keeps them both out of the, the title picture for a while and builds both of them as characters. So I think they're going to be in a program for a while. I don't think it's just going to be one pay-per-view thing. I think this is going to be a blood feud for a minute. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But uh, that wasn't it, Chris. We also had one more match. We had the unsanctioned match, the lights-out match. Holy fucking shit. Now, I will say that people are acting a little bit prudish about this shit. Oh my God! Something ha- hasn't been this extreme on on a on a, uh, on a major wrestling pay per view in a very long time. It's like this wasn't an FMW fucking match for Christ's sake. This wasn't like a, a landmine match with Onita back in the fucking nineties or some shit. Like I've seen way worse on ECW. I've seen someone fall from a balcony and barely touch the table and just go headfirst into the fucking floor. Now if we go to WWE, I mean. This match compared to Triple H and Cactus Jack and a fucking Hell in a Cell with the burning goddamn two by four and going through it, or or the first Hell in a Cell for that matter, um, I've seen a lot of violent, violent matches uh, and shit. The bull rope match with Roddy Roddy Piper and uh, and uh, Valentine back in the day was a vicious match. Uh, so I'm just saying, this to me wasn't as bad as some people depict it as. It was violent. Don't get me wrong. But I want I want people to, to clearly know that that glass had to have been work glass or whatever it's called. I forgot what the uh, the specific term is. Because if someone sugar gets glass. dragged, thank you, sugar glass. Because if someone gets dragged through glass, if they're in some type of like you know position like a uh, like a Boston crab, and they're getting dragged through glass, their whole chest and everything's going to be completely covered in blood. Now these guys get cut up. But I want to think that a lot of the barbed wire, especially the barbed wire, what was the the barbed wire spider web or whatever the fuck that got brought out at the end, I'm assuming might have not actually been real barbed wire. Either way, these guys kicked the living shit out of each other. And, uh, yeah, it, it was violent. It was very violent. I, I don't think 
that it's as, as, as crazy as, as some people kind of make it out to be. But um, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, they had barbed wire. They had steel uh, chains. They had screwdrivers. They had a board of fucking mousetraps, shattered glass. Um, the mousetrap saw it was awesome. Once again, that doesn't make me that squeamish. I've heard, I've heard interns on radio stations roll across fucking mousetraps to keep their shitty job that they're not making money off of. So that type of stuff, it, it was a visual like, ho, and they kept on wanting up at each other. There wasn't a lot of storytelling, I will say that, but more so than in a lot of these type of, uh, these type of death match situations. But, the, uh, man, um, yeah, the suplex onto the uh, barbed wire uh, spider web was ridiculous. The, and everyone rushing in to get the, getting them out immediately. Uh, Omega V triggered Moxley through part of the stage. Omega kicked out of the uh, the paradigm shift onto glass, and Moxley kicked out of a double arm DDT onto exposed wood of the ring. Uh, and then Moxley hit the high elevated paradigm shift. I forgot what they call it over in New Japan, uh, but the he dark got that rider. onto exposed the dark rider to uh, on the exposed uh, wood to get the win. Like I said, I, I thought this was a pretty damn good match. I thought it was. Fun. I thought it was unnecessary and pretty brutal, but I don't think it was as bad as some people say it is. Especially like I've seen WWE maybe not have as many weird fucking contraptions, but do stuff pretty goddamn violent and close to it in the Attitude Era. Chris, what do you think about the unsanctioned match with Moxley and Kenny Omega? And Omega gained the lo- the the loss, I should say. I think it went too long. Uh, I think that's my biggest complaint is it went too long and it was just a Agreed. lot of people like, okay, you hit me with something and I'm going to hit you with something. And then you'll go under the ring for a second and hit me with something and then I'll go under the ring for a second and I'll hit you with something. Um, I have nothing against these matches. I like the Janela Kenny match. I like the Janela Moxley match. I actually think those were better matches and they were, I guess, quote unquote, unsanctioned, not lights out or whatever. <laughs> Obviously, the barbed wire mattress spot was a work. Some of the most dangerous shit they did was the uh, that was it a phoenix splash that Kenny went for, where he landed face first on the wood, and then obviously the two DDTs on the wood. The bat stuff is just kind of gross because you're gonna roll around and shit the rest of the match with a cut up back, which sucks. Especially because Moxley just came back from having MRSA. Uh, so I, hopefully he's going to be okay and not get another infection. Um, I'm not squeamish on these. I just didn't think it was that good of a match. I mean, I watched Moxley do tournament of death in CZW. So like, this doesn't seem that bad. There's no light tubes or anything, for instance. So they weren't, <laughs> there was no explosions as you noted. Uh, so it's not the craziest shit I've ever seen. Um, I also thought it was weird that Moxley came out and he's like, are you ready for some garbage fucking wrestling? Which I guess plays into his character a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. This match, it just wasn't for me. And I, I think if it was 20 minutes and maybe don't do the weird barbed wire spot where people are pulling them out of the fake barbed wire web thing after it's supposed to be an unsanctioned match. and The chain thing didn't really work for me either. Like, I don't understand the point of 
I mean, I guess sh- you know, still chains are heavy and shit, but there's just so many other does, weapons. Does Master that you P can use know that they stole all that from him? Does Master P know that that they stole all the, his gold chains? I guess so, man. No limits. Cody's got that shirt out, so <laughs> now, so maybe he's aware. He did. He did just buy his own wrestling company, so maybe he gave them the go ahead to take his chains. Uh, no, I mean, I just thought that that shit was a little cheesy. The glass thing I had no problem with. It makes sense because he put, you know, Omega through the table. So you kind of want to play that up a little bit with Omega getting some revenge. Um, The makeup they did on Omega on Wednesday was awful. The black eye that they gave him was just terrible looking. Um, I like the storyline of Moxley being a crazy bastard. I just think this match could have like been 15 to 20 minutes and been completely fine. Uh, it just went forever, so it, it seeming it did just turn into them hitting each other with shit, and not really any wrestling. The wrestling in the match was fucking great, and it kind of just made me wish that they would have had like a thirty minute wrestling match between I don't know two great fucking wrestlers. Like if you go and watch Moxley stuff in the G1, like I would have rather just them had a match, uh, and maybe that's what this is leading to is like, well, I, you beat me at your game, so now let me beat beat you at my game, which is just a straight match or something. So maybe that's where it's going down the line, but they kind of screwed the pooch on that because Moxley wanted that kind of match. And they told him he couldn't do, they wouldn't do that. So (laughs) it's like a weird thing. Now he's fighting Darby Allen. So um, the booking of this is a little weird and Kenny Omega catches another loss in a high profile match in which he had his friends basically help him in because they brought out that barbed wire web thing that didn't finish the ma- uh, the match. I'm kind of glad that was I thought they were going to do the finish there. Um, and they're just so, both so tangled that they can't go on, so the ref stops the fight, but obviously AW wants to give us finishes, so I'm fine with that. Obviously, you know, Moxley's going to continue fourth. He's got Darby Allen next. He's building towards the championship, I'm assuming, or either that or the bastard pack down the line, but uh yeah, interesting. I, I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, you know that Omega and him are going to cross paths again, but I, uh, you would hope they keep them away from each other for a little bit, at least after this, because this is kind of a blow-off match. Uh, it normally is what you would do, but uh, the match itself was just too damn long. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking 40-minute hardcore match in which half of the stuff was gimmicks, and the other half was just them hitting each other with trash can lids. Like I'm, not, I'm not against these matches. They're like, all right. Here's a good example, right? You have an unsanctioned match between Champa and Johnny Gargano. It went 25 minutes. They did a lot of wrestling, and it was fucking awesome. So like, yeah, I gotta measure that against this. And that was like six months ago. How long? I, like less than a year ago. Um, Lucha Underground matches. Some of the. Uh, some of the abyss matches that he had, he had a legit barbed wire match with Sabu. If you want something fucking brutal, I liked that match more than this match because it made more sense with their two characters. I don't know, man. So I, it, it was fine. It definitely wasn't my favorite thing on the show. It was not my least favorite thing on the show, but like I said, it was 40 minutes. It started at 11. And by the end of it, I was just like, these guys should both either be dead or someone should have won by now. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. And as a whole, I like the pay-per-view a lot. I think that if I were to be honest, it was long. 
I, I, I don't care if it's New Japan or especially, I, well, I care if it's WWE, but it doesn't matter what organization it is. After a while, man, I get tired. <laughs> so um, this match was long and dragging, and I think that they've done, I think they've done stuff, you know, with the storyline that was more brutal and better worked out and not as long, or if it was as long, it didn't seem like it. I'm telling you, go back and watch Cactus Jack and Triple H Hell in the Cell. I watched it not too long ago, and it still holds up. It's a great fucking story match. It's violent as hell. Both guys get annihilated. They're bleeding all over the place. There's a shitload of, I think, real barbed wire. I'm not saying that that wasn't real, but, I mean, I'm just going to assume. There's no fucking way they would throw two guys on top of a bunch of fucking barbed wire like that if and and their backs were I mean their backs were cut up but they should have been destroyed by some of that shit so I'll just leave it yeah, at that I before mean, we go into dynamite yeah, I, well yeah the perfect example of that is Sabu versus Terry Funk where Terry Funk incidentally got wrapped oh. in a barbed wire and almost bled to fucking oh. death like if you want a good match Terry Funk versus Sabu's barbed wire match at ECW for the championship that's a fucking good match um I, I'm not squeamish when it comes to this stuff. I just thought this match sucked. They did use real barbed wire with the weapons, and the, but yeah, obviously, like you said, if you if you got tangled up in that shit like that, they would have to cut you out. Like they had to cut Sabu out in the Terry Funk barbed wire match in ECW. Oh, that's another thing is go watch and they're they're good match. Go watch some mid- matches with Abyss and Sabu and TNA. They're violent as shit and they do stuff like that too. But they're still, you know, it was it was definitely a spectacle match. And I can appreciate that, but uh, that was full gear. That was interesting. But kind of going uh, off of what we just said, we started off AEW Dynamite last night uh, with Kenny Omega seeing the doctors. Like you said, the bad makeup job with the uh, the black guy. But, um, you know, he wasn't allowed to wrestle. Uh, he asked about John Moxley, and they said, well, he was beat up, but, you know, he was still cleared. Sorry, basically. And uh, Michael Nakazawa was with them. Kind of had to pay attention to that because Nock won against John Moxley on the first match, and Nock came at him full speed. wasn't doing the whole gimmick with the oil thing. Threw it out there, started giving him punches. Did not last long. John Moxley kicked the shit out of Mox uh, after a DDT, and after the match, uh, Moxley cut a promo saying that he told the truth about what he would do at Full Gear so that nobody in ADLW has the balls to get in the ring with him and challenge anyone for next week. We know that Darby Allen would uh, pick up that, um, you know, that offer. Uh, but I thought Moxley was great on the mic. Um, it's just interesting. I feel like he's got to go back to Kenny because of this. I don't know if Kenny's going to cost him the match to Darby Allen or something, but it's going to get them back in a storyline, getting them to, like you said, an actual wrestling match. I don't think that that's – so they're going to pause on. Um, although I could be wrong. I just don't know where Mox is going to go right now anyways, unless he's going to go for that title, which would also make a lot of sense. But, um, Chris, what do you think about all this stuff coming off of what happened with Kenny and uh, Moxley? I liked the um, – I liked the at least them selling how beat up Kenny was and, and what he went through in that match because Mo- that is supposed to be Moxley's match, right? So you would expect Kenny is going to lose. Um, I like that he sold it. I like that he was kind of in shock and awe and almost disappointed in himself that uh, Moxley is going to have a match. What I don't like about Moxley's promo is he's like, no one has the balls to step in the ring with me even though he just had a match. So like literally someone had the balls to step in the ring with him. 
like I guess if they would have clarified like in that kind of match. <laughs> but like to just say in a match in general, he just had a match. So like as soon as he said that, it threw me off the promo a little bit. I think it got better at the end, but it wasn't um, it wasn't one of Moxley's best promos, and it wasn't the best promo on the show. Um, so there's that. I like Moxley. I think he cuts damn good promo. This one was just a little weird. Um, it almost seems like he he cut all of this freestyle as he was going, and, and maybe you know sometimes that this kind of thing can come up where it's like, oh, well, that doesn't really make sense. You just wrestled a guy kind of thing. But, you know, fiery, passionate promo. Um, and obviously later on, like you said, uh, there is a man who has the balls to fight him, and it's Darby. And also another man named Joey Janela, if he can ever stop getting his ass kicked by Tully and Sean Spears. So, like, like there's literally a bunch of crazy fuckers. <laughs> Corey Graves, like, not Corey Graves. Maybe uh, Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, Jimmy Havoc, like, there's a lot of crazy motherfuckers that will fight you uh, in this particular company, Moxley. Uh, I don't think you beating you beating uh, Omega is going to prevent them from wanting to have hardcore matches with you, unfortunately. I kind of wish that he – I wish they would have went down the route of him being anti-hardcore, which I pitched. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I wish he would have not used any weapons in that match and just got a win like refused to do it and then did the Mick Foley thing because I think that would have been something incredible they could have built out after where they have all of these garbage fucking wrestlers uh, like, you know, Havoc, Janela, Darby Allen come after him in these kind of matches and him still win, but his record total never go up because he has to keep doing these kind of matches even though he's not using any weapons. Like that to me is an interesting storyline they could have done a lot with him just fighting people in crazy ass matches is just kind of, you know, what you would expect as opposed to like, if he just came out and beat Kenny Omega, um, by using only wrestling moves, uh, that would have been very unexpected. It would have also kind of fucked Kenny over. So I can understand why you wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Um, but it, it would have done a lot for, I think Moxley and what his character could have been going forward, especially with the Tony Khan storyline. They, they were trying to tell going into that pay-per-view. Yep. All right. So we had our next batch with the dark order with the putties, scary dark order. going against <laughs> Jurassic Express. Um, I will say, uh, I did like this match a lot. Um, Marco Stunt, I think, is being used and utilized in a very good way. I said this last time. I like that the offense is, especially if they mix Luchasaurus, if they were to have him and Luchasaurus, they could even do it more. It's like uh, Marco Stunt is a weapon for um, uh, Jungle uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to use against them. And he also sells really well because he looks like he's fucking 15 years old. Um, you know, that he's getting his ass kicked and trying to get the uh, the uh, hot tag uh, to the babyface corner. So it's it's it works. Dark Order are very efficient in the ring. I still just don't get them, but I have to give you – I have to, the fatality is a pretty fucking cool-looking move. Uh, the move they do, I forgot what it's called, where um, uh, Evil Uno does the cannonball while the other one does the 360 off the top ropes. Very innovative tag team wrestling. Um, I thought that Evil Luna actually sounded pretty good on the mic afterwards. Um, but we had the return of Luchasaurus, who came out, kicked the shit out of all the creepers, 
on his way. Even did a uh, the uh, what the hell is it? the Black Mass basically knocking out three of them. Uh, you know, and we the people the place went nuts. So the Luchasaurus is definitely over. Um, I think we're gonna have more between uh, the Dark Order and Luch and uh, now Luchasaurus back on the, uh, the Jurassic Express uh, going forward. So you know. It was interesting. There was another part where Evil Uno was trying to get, I believe, either Jungle Boy or um, – this was right before Luchasaurus came out. He was trying to get either Jungle Boy or Marco Stunt to join the Dark Order with one of his masks, and they turned that down. And uh, we got to see uh, you know, uh, Marco Stunt with his little mask on. I don't think he should wear that, although – Although he looks like he's 15, so maybe it helps him out a bit. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I think all this was fine. Chris, what would you think? I actually – Marco Stunt's grown on me a bit, um, basically just because of the way they've used him. And, and obviously they're – Not on himself, though. But I get it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Luchasaurus coming out was awesome. Dark Order has been pretty good, though, the last few matches. I'm, You know, the gimmick is still a bit weird. Uh but, like, when they get in the ring, I kind of forget about it. I'm just like, oh, they're a pretty good tag team. It's kind of like the Viking Raiders, except, like, their name's not as shitty. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and they have matches that last more than two minutes. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I liked the match. I thought it was pretty good. Obviously, Stunt is just costing Jungle Boy these matches. Now Luchasaurus is back. Uh, I think the tag tournament would have been a lot different. You probably would have seen... Some different matches throughout there, uh, throughout the last few weeks. If if Luchasaurus was not injured, Luchasaurus is easily maybe besides Cody the most over person on this roster. <laughs> Fuckers love Luchasaurus, uh, and I can't blame them. I also love Luchasaurus. He's just got a presence about him, and when paired with Jungle Boy, I could easily see them, you know, being the tag team champions. I do think that that's going to lead to. I think that will lead up to the S- the eventual what I am going to call the SCU breakup, uh, which will probably happen before you get to uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy winning the tag titles. But if I'm if I'm fantasy booking down the line, and if I'm thinking kind of what I think AEW is going to do, I, I think that would be the be the case there. All right, we had a three-way match with Darby Allen going against Sean Spears and Peter Avalon um, with uh, Leva Bates. The librarian, shush. Funny thing, um, right off the start, I think Peter Avalon tried to do a springboard at, at both guys, and they both just walked out of the way. You know, so he just fell on his ass, and they both gave him a super kick, took him out right at the beginning. Um, this this match was basically mainly Spears and Allen, you know, just beating the crap out of each other. Peter Avalon would get up, try to come in the ring. He'd get knocked out, thrown out immediately. It really looked like it was going in favor of Spears, but uh, Janela came, interrupted the match, and the two fought their way out of the arena, leaving the other two men. After that, it didn't take long for Allen to hit the coffin drop on Peter Avalon. And after the match, Darby Allen accepted John Moxley's match during the commercial. We found that it was official. JR announced that it would be John Moxley versus Darby Allen at next week's Dynamite. Chris, what do you think about all this? So did Darby Allen accept, like, as the commercial was going? So there was two weird commercial spots here, and I think I may have missed something. Peter Avalon did a promo during the commercial break where it was picture-in-picture, which 
to me, I laughed really fucking hard because it was like the librarian was getting shh by TNT. <laughs> I know that probably wasn't what they were going for, but it made me laugh really fucking hard. Um, so did Darby Allen actually accept on camera? Did I just miss it, or was that also during a commercial? I have no idea, but we don't have a lot of time left. Okay, cool. Yeah, moving forward then. Yeah, I am excited for that match, as we've talked about earlier. All right, so Nyla Rose, and I kind of alluded to this beforehand, um, had a match with Danny Jordan from Atlanta, or it's uh, Georgia Southern Wrestling, I believe, or Southern Wrestling, Southern Wrestling Alliance is what she's from. Uh, but it was cool to see her. Uh, she got her ass kicked by Nyla. And uh, afterwards, uh, Tony uh, Schiavone interviewed Allie, who has not had one match on, on the main show. But apparently she's uh, very happy, and she's going to whoop some ass. Oh, shit, lights went out. And, uh, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, I was about to call her Aja Kong. Um, awesome Kong. And Brady came out, did the same shtick, took Allie's a chunk of her hair. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was about it. Before we get into the Chris Jericho promo, did you have anything to say about uh, the Nyla Rose Danny Jordan match? Or what? Yeah, I mean, it was a squash. It was just a squash match and a beatdown. Like I'm still interested in what they're doing with Awesome Kong, uh, but yeah, just just more of what they did at the pay per view. The Nyla thing was just a straight squash match to keep her relevant on TV. So yeah, so Chris Jericho comes out and he cuts his promo and he's just talking down. Uh, Cody and the crowd and I love how Jericho is so good at being able to manipulate the crowd nowadays that it's just he's just a master of it he's he's incredible uh MJF comes uh which he came with Cody's entrance so it looked like Cody was going to respond to Chris Jericho but it was we were told through commentary that he wasn't cleared for any action and was told just to stay in the back basically uh because of what happened to him so MJF makes his entrance. Fucking place hates him. He tells Jericho to chill out for a second, addresses the crowd, just talks them down, calls them a bunch of fat, stupid rednecks from Nashville, um, and just t- says that the same heel shit. Cody doesn't care about any of you. Cody wasn't a good friend. He was a pompous piece of crap, blah, 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 blah. I'm better than him. Not, you know, a lot of people saying that he needed more motivation. I think he's MJF. He's a fucking heel. That's that. That was enough motivation for me. And then my favorite part happened between him and Chris Jericho, where they exchanged several words back and forth. Uh, you know, one upping each other. I think that what did he call him? He was like Chris. Oh man, I, I uh, they kept on messing up each other's names. Um, <laughs> he called him like M or uh, Maxwell. Sea cells, she cells by the seashore. Some shit like just going back and forth. <laughs> just. Uh, and then my favorite comment of the night, and he's uh, Chris Jericho's like, you don't want to be like Chris Jericho? It seems like it. it seems like we have a lot in common. We're both uh, we were born in uh, you know in New York, and and we both uh, we both wear scarves, and we both have three letter uh, acronym names and and everything. And he goes, if it wasn't crazy to me, I would think that your parents watched a match 25 years ago when I fought Juventud Guerrero on WCW Saturday night and decided to get it on afterwards. And he's like, who the hell's Hoovy? <laughs> and Tony Schiavone's like, apologizes to the audience. He's, he's like, I'm sorry, but I had to laugh at that. Like, oh, my God, Tony, you, you didn't have to apologize. But they went back and forth. They kept on hinting at the fact that 
you know, was the rumor that Jericho wanted him to join the the inner circle, or was it the fact that MJF wanted to join the the inner circle? They didn't get to really answer that. They, you know, they play with it a lot, set it up really well. That'll probably be answered next week completely. Cody comes out. They try to tell him, hey, don't go to the ring. Cody does it fucking anyways. Goes and tries to take out both guys. They get the better of him because of the uh, the debut of Wardlow, who now is basically MJF's Jack Hagar, um, or, or at least what it seems is Diesel, if you will. So beats the crap out of Cody, reopens uh, the wounds on his head, and no no one came out. We'd find out the Bucks were preoccupied uh, following the commercial break, so that might have been the reason why they weren't helping Cody. But Cody got his ass kicked. And uh, Wardlow was introduced to the world as this giant hulking man and choked him out with his fucking tie. It's pretty brutal. It was awesome. I loved it. Uh, Chris, what do you think about it? Yeah, I love the promos. I thought Chris Jericho and MJF are both great on the mic. And this is what I meant by like the Moxley promo in comparison wasn't as good. Uh, <laughs> like this shit was awesome. Um, I love, I like Wardlow being associated with MJF. It just gives another obstacle that Cody has to get by. Um, and I love that they, when we came back from the break, the young bucks were kind of, uh, occupied with this fight backstage with Santina and Ortiz, because that shows you the inner circle is once again, one ahead of Cody. Cody has just got the bucks and his brother, his brother's got his hand broken He's down to only three friends, and the inner circle is now gaining in numbers by two members, basically. Uh, so that's going to be fun to watch and see how that plays out. But, yeah, I loved all of this. I thought it was fucking great. Probably my favorite favorite things on the show, minus the um, the last tag match at the end there. Yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, and that that's what happened. Uh, we, well, first we had uh, Pack and Hangman going against each other. We kind of talked about this. I thought this was an awesome fucking back-and-forth match. I thought uh, Jim Ross did a really good job uh, commentating on it. I'm really enjoying the three of them together. Even when Jim Ross is grumpy old man Jim Ross, I think he's fucking great. Uh, but Pac uh, hit the black arrow into the brutalizer, and the referee uh, stopped the match. because it, And great reaction from um, Paige of, like, he got hit so hard in the back from the black arrow that it kind of knocked him out. And he was already unconscious before the black arrow was really, or the um, the brutalizer was even put in place. So, just good stuff. And like I said, also the young bucks brawled with Santana Ortiz backstage through the fucking audience, going back and forth. Uh, Nick was still selling his shoulder uh, from the pay per view. I think it was his shoulder that he uh, he quote unquote hurt. And uh, they put Matt through a, a section of the uh, stage, which I think they need to kind of chill out on. But uh, it did look pretty fucking brutal, um, and also kicked shit out of Nick. Uh, Private Party would be the guys that would stop it, uh, because Brian Cutler tried to and did not work out too well for him. Uh, what did you think about uh, the match, the the third match, the rubber match with Hangman Adam Page and Pack, and then the brawl between the Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz? Oh, like and the, the match Orange Cassidy spot. I forgot about that <laughs> shit. That was so fucking funny. He was just chilling in the bathroom in the dark for no reason. Like Eric Rowan, we give ever we give him hell for fucking sitting in a room by himself, and then Orange Cassidy does the same thing in the bathroom, and it's hilarious. It's fucking comedy gold. <laughs> well, yeah, because Orange Cassidy is supposed to be a comedy character, though. <laughs> That's Touché. why I always forget. 
I, I like the match a lot. I thought it was very, very good. Um, I love the bastard pack hitting this black arrow and immediately going to the submission. He's got like a kill mode to him. He's done this twice. I love that. I think like he, if the pin doesn't work, he just immediately goes to the submission. And I think that's a great way to finish the match. I think this sets up either an Iron Man, Iron Man match or a, a series match, like a best out of five or something, uh, which I think could be awesome. An Iron Man match would be great between these two. I think that could be very well worked, and I think both of them could easily go like 45, 60 minutes if they wanted to go that route. Thinking more realistically, it'd be like a 30-minute Iron Man match, but I think that's where they're headed with that. I like the, uh, I love the beatdowns in the back. I love Santina, uh, Santana and Ortiz, even though they just wanted the pay-per-view, still hate the Young Bucks and are still going after them to, to distract them and, and keep them busy while Jericho is doing all his evil dealings. Um, and Orange Cassidy just being in the bathroom was great, but the best part is where, like, I can't remember who it was from LAX, but they were just so weirded out by it. They just, like, carefully shut the door and made a face at the camera and kind of sold Santana, it. Santana, like, dude, it was creepy. so funny. <laughs> that, was, that was one of my favorite things on the show for sure, so props for that. I loved it. God, that was so fucking funny. All right, well, we had uh, SCU come out and do their worst town ever promo for Nashville, and they're the baby faces in this. I I get it, though. I, it, it's just funny in retrospect. But uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky uh, with Christopher Daniels went against Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho with Jack Hagar for the AEW Tag Team Champions Championship. Um I thought this was a really good fucking match. Uh, at first, Sammy was getting the better of him. Um, and then I think I think Frankie tagged out the Scorpio Sky, and then Sammy switched it on him. Him and Jericho were just kicking the shit out of him for the longest time. No, it was Frankie. That's right. Yeah, Frankie got tagged in. And so Frankie made the hot tag finally Scorpio Sky, and that's when stuff went crazy. Jack, Jack Hagar with a ref turn. Uh, got um, the uh, rest attention, or got uh, Scorpio Sky and uh, nailed him, which would cause Christopher Daniels to come over after a while and and start going after Hagar. And uh, even though I, I know that this match was kind of rushed, I feel like they try they had to kind of abruptly end it because it, you know even um, uh, what's his name um, Excalibur came on and said if this match continues past this we will put it on the uh the all elite um youtube station so they ended up getting it wrapped up but i have to say man i was complaining a little bit about the tag situation the way they worked this match is fucking perfect i know they had to rush certain aspects of it but it was a normal fucking tag match i love that scorpio sky was able to roll up chris jericho the champion mind you for the win just like he ended up uh, winning the titles to begin with i think uh on I believe on, uh, whatchamacallit, on Pentagon. Um, so that was cool. Uh, and, yeah, I think that Scorpio Sky, they really like him. Tony Schiavone and JR really like Scorpio Sky is what I gathered because they kept on putting him over throughout the whole fucking match because he's awesome. Really loves Sammy Guevara. I think he works really well. I like that JR's calling out certain things that make sense, like, you know, saying he should have probably made a tag. Like, a lot of people nitpick Tony and him for doing that. It makes sense, though, and they should say that type of shit because if this were real, this would be their analysis of the situation. They're not calling out the product. But um, this is a pretty damn good tag match, and uh, the right tag team obviously won. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, was, that was about it. They, they ended the show pretty much immediately after that. Chris, what did you think about that last tag match? 
I like the match a lot. I think you did a good job covering like basically all the action. I will say there's uh the the one thing that I really liked is Scorpio Sky keeps getting himself in these two on one situations and finding a way to get out of them, um, which I think is great and kind of plays to his character. And um, I I like you know him getting the win and your tag champions beating you know the heavyweight champion, showing that like you know the tag championships are just as important as the heavyweight championships. Uh, especially, you know, you you would assume your tag champions would beat a tag team that's not a full-time tag team. So from that aspect of it, I, I love the finish. I like Jericho just being super pissed at the end and throwing shit and pitching a tension, temper tantrum, probably talking about how he how he had a ticket. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I, I like the finish. I like that the SCU won, and I think Sammy and Chris will move on to something else, and the SCU will obviously will probably be going uh, back against the Lucha Brothers, I would assume. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but really solid episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, enjoyed a lot of it, especially all the stuff involving the Inner Circle, man. I mean, they really are in a lot of ways strikingly similar to the NWO. Uh, and the funny thing is I would expect Jericho to have something more structured towards Evolution or Four Horsemen. Whereas him and three other guys that, you know, just are better than everyone. It seems like he's going for more of a scattered bunch of scallywags to take on AEW and, and destroy it and take all the damn uh, gold. Unlike, it, you know, when we go to when we go to NXT, how it seems like, uh, whatchamacallit, um, fuck, uh, the Undisputed Era is more of like a four horseman type energy. What were you going to say, Chris? No, it was like it's the Canadian NWO. That's that's really what it is. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Canada's um, NWO. But we don't have a lot of time to go over NXT. Well, I'll kind of just point out the big things, Chris. Not going to them too much, but uh, Leo Rush and Angel Garza when it when it gets each other for the Cruiserweight Championship match or championship, I should say. I thought it was an awesome fucking match. I love the spot where Angel Garza goes out and tries to, you know, rips off his pants in front of Leo Rush's uh, wife. And uh, I thought that was that was smart. But uh, these guys kicked the shit out of each other. I never thought I would see a moonsault, what the hell, uh, falling power slam, basically, that Garza pulled off. I thought it was pretty damn good. We had this whole entire thing, the whole entire night, where Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley were, were laid out. And then later on we'd find uh, Maria Shafir and Jasmine Duke and also Candice LeRae all laid out. So at first they positioned it like it, maybe it was – you know, Shayna's team are going against Rhea's team, and then end up being who the hell is this? They're going after everyone. Well, it was Bailey. Bailey took out Shayna at the end. Um, God, I felt so bad for Aaliyah, and especially bad for Mia Yim. Zia Lee is extremely green. She's powerful. She's ex martial artist. She kicked Aaliyah so hard, I think she broke her nose. And obviously, that that fucking ladder match was brutal. Um, yeah, just. It was it was a solid night. Did you have any highlights from NXT, uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think the Mia Yim match was the was the high, was the highlight of the night for me for sure. Um, they worked really really hard in that match, and I, to me, I think they easily had the best match of the night. There's some scary spots uh, there, as we've we've kind of talked about a bit, or me and you talked about offline, especially uh, Mia taking the the drop kick to the chair to the face. That was a little sketchy at best um 
trying to think of something right offhand. Uh, the first, what, what was the very first match again? Uh, it was a- Angel Garza, right? He he looks and Leo Rush. I think that yeah, I, I think that Angel is like that. He's so over with the crowd, and they're trying to make him a heel. And I don't I don't know that it's necessarily working, but he's he's just so damn good. You want to give him a chance to be a heel. You know what I mean? Um, so. I I love the the pants spot like you were talking about earlier. Um, did they talk about the Gargano stuff on this show? I'm trying to remember the uh, the yeah. riddle situation specifically. Yeah, because Finn came out, cut a promo on the fact that you know the heart of NXT can't even come back from something that happened three weeks ago, and then talked shit about Matt Riddle. Then Riddle, be, you know, came out. Started beating up on Balor. Balor got the hell out of there. Then an undisputed era came out, and then Riddle had Keith Lee and, and uh, what you might call it, um, uh, Tommaso Ciampa come out in his defense. And then we had Keith Lee and uh, Roderick Strong in a match. Pretty fucking good match. That might have been the match of the night, honestly, on the card. Uh, it didn't last too long though. Uh, and Keith Lee got a. Uh, do you think that that means that Lee's going to win against Strong for the uh, the, the North American title? I think there's a very strong possibility. Yeah, I think there's definitely a very strong possibility of that happening, and I I would would have no problem with that. Honestly, Keith Lee's been great with everything they've asked him to do. Um, Sorry, my computer kind of took a shit here, so I've lost some of my notes. But, yeah, Keith Lee Lee defeating Roderick Strong, I think that does set up a title match, and I – I, but the problem is, I guess Roderick is he's thrown into this three-way match at Survivor Series, and then leading into that, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be in the War Games match, right? So I don't know. Oh, I guess they're booking for further yeah. down the line. Hmm, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. We do know. We should kind of at, talk about this a little bit. Uh, Dominic Dijakovic came out and made the save because Undisputed Era rushed the ring and started beating the shit out of Keith Lee. And now it's going to be Tommaso Ciampa, Dominic uh, Dijakovic, and um, Keith Lee. It, but there's still a mystery person going against the Undisputed Era in War Games. Uh, now Matt Riddle will be going officially against Finn Balor to replace Johnny Gargano. Who is that fourth person? I love your idea that it might be John Morrison, and that's where they debut him. If it's not him, and it's not a returning Velveteen Dream, though, I don't know, Pete Dunne maybe? I mean, I guess, but what they did later in the show sets up a three-way match between Pete Dunn, Killian Dane, and Damian Priest, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. So I mean, so I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming that it's gonna be John Morrison or Velveteen Dream. I, I don't know who else you would put in that spot. Hopefully, John Morrison. I... They haven't done dick all after signing him, so hopefully, John Morrison. I think he'd be great in that match. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be Jim Morrison. Maybe that's what's going to happen instead. The ghost of Jim Morrison. Um, but yeah, so it looks like the ladies uh, have Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, um, and uh, now uh, UK Women's Champion uh, Kaylee Ray, who ended up helping out Io Shirai take out Medium in that ladder match that she probably lost about five years off her bump life. Um, but yeah, and then we uh, we have um, it's just so weird. I'm trying to figure out what the hell they're doing with Dakota Kai in this because she came out and helped them, but it's still Tegan Knox, Rhea Ripley. Um, I'm trying to think of like the other two. 
It's uh, Tegan Knox, Rhea Ripley, um, Mia Yim, or or yeah, Mia Yim. I know that they already have uh, every spot uh, picked, and and Dakota Kai got looked uh, over, and I can't remember exactly who it was on me. So I'm wondering still, even though she helped her, if there's going to be some. Oh, Candice LeRae was the other person. If they're going to move her in, or if she's end up going to be a bad guy within all this, and this can be a heel turn for her. That was cool, though. Shayna came out with her approval afterwards with uh, Bianca Belair, and we saw Bailey attack Shayna Baszler to end the night. Thought she could have done a little bit more damage since she attacked so many women, but cool seeing Bailey there. Uh, not good with the whole crossover feel with setting up all the stuff for Survivor Series. Probably should have had a couple more people on this, but hey, whatever. I thought it was a solid show. What did you think about the show? And are you more intrigued now, Chris, with both the women's War Games match and the men's War Game? I'm actually more excited about the women's one, honestly. I'm I'm excited just to see, you know, Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor, that change up. So that excites me. So that makes me a little less excited about the War Games match, but more excited about the main main event, I guess, to some extent. But the women's uh, the women's War Games match, I think, is going to be awesome, and I am re- really looking forward to it. And uh, and the Pete Dunne, Killian Day, and Damian Priest three-way match is what I'm assuming they're going to set up. That should be fucking badass, too. So I, I'm really looking forward to that pay-per-view. I think that will be some really good shit. Uh, it, just real quick, Bailey is not capable of doing a beatdown. <laughs> I'm officially throwing that out there. Does uh, she hug them it, while they're unconscious? <laughs> just uh, so it came off super unbelievable. She didn't do enough for me to believe that she really took out Shayna. Since Shasha be with her, if they're gonna knock out half the fucking female roster, you would think. I mean, it would be more believable. Uh, but whatever. I mean, she's just there to take a pinfall for either Shayna or Becky. So that's the only reason she's in that match at Survivor Series, unfortunately for for Bailey. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. But either way, like I said, solid NXT, solid AEW. I give uh, I give the, the 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 edge to AEW. I just thought that that segment with MJF and Chris Jericho was pretty fucking memorable. But I thought both shows were awesome, and that's why I love Wednesday nights. We didn't even go over Monday Night Raw. It happened, but we didn't go over it because you know Lana and Rusev and fucking Bobby Lashley ruined it for everyone. Uh, but yeah, pretty much. That was Wrestling Geeks Alliance, so I appreciate all of you guys listening out there. Uh, thank you for, you know, being with us for another wonderful episode. We're not going to have a show this Saturday. I'm going to my best friend's uh, uh, baby's first birthday, so, uh, yeah, there's that. But we covered a lot of the big stuff, and we'll get all the other stuff that happens uh, on the next Thursday episode. So Thursday, 7 p.m. EST, Saturdays, noon, p.m. EST. Check us out there. Go to geekvibestation.com for all your information and wrestling, any geek news, basically. Wrestling, comic books, movies, everything. Also links to our Instagram, our Facebook, and our Twitter that you can find us at Geek Vibes Nation. And also links to, you know, if you don't want to listen to us live on Blog Talk, you can listen to us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on uh, Spotify, on SoundCloud. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance, or you can search the main thing for Geek Vibes Nation to find us. Chris, thank you so much for joining me tonight. We got through a lot of news. 
And we got out of here on time, so I'm happy about that. We didn't have to, like, you know, go into an after show to put on YouTube or something like that for the extra match. Have a wonderful evening, sir, and say goodbye to all the beautiful people. Thanks, everyone. Y'all have a great night. If you want to talk to me, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Love you guys. And you guys can hit me up at Dane Elms on Facebook, or if you didn't like my commentary on Twitter, definitely check that out. But have a wonderful evening. Thank you guys so much. Let the Geek Vibes be with you, and peace out. And tune in next week for another episode of Dragon Ball Z.